Morning, church. Hey, y'all. No. There is no American accent to be seen, to be heard. Uh, It is good to be in church, and it's true that there is no place like home. It's so good to be home and uh, to see everybody, and we've been enjoying catching up. We did have a wonderful night at Duralong the other night. It was, uh, those guys are wild down there. It's a rowdy church service and I loved it. And so we had a uh, really good time down there. But it's great to bring the message this morning. I get to uh, speak on the passage. Has anyone been in church long enough to know the song that he went walking and leaping in? Yeah, I get to, I see that hand. I, uh, I get to speak on Acts chapter 3 where there's an old uh, Sunday school song that went, he went walking and living and praising God and it just goes on and on and it's about this. And so this morning we're looking at Acts chapter 3. We are in the series of everyday power and uh, let's get straight into the message because I didn't actually time how long this went so I don't know if you're staying here for an hour or 15 minutes but I have a lot of time to catch up on. So, uh, Acts chapter 3, it is, we're looking at verses 1 to 10, and it says this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do give, what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he held him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This morning, I want to speak a message called Change or Change. Uh, for kind of obvious reasons, uh, but it, it, it's talking about the man in the story was asking for small change, loose change, cheap change, but God offered life change. And this passage causes us to ask ourselves, do you want change to help you or do you want change that heals you? Change or change? My prayer today is that we would come to the same realization as this lame man did. That I am not the same man that, you, that I used to be. Some translation says uh, that they ran up and said, aren't you the man who used to? I pray that today we would get, that the Holy Spirit would do something so deep inside of us that we would be the people who say, yeah, don't get too used to this. I'm changing. God is taking me somewhere that I've never been before. There's two types of people in this passage, the men who reached down and the men who reached up. And at any given time, we could be either one of those people. Let's be honest, from minute to minute, we could be either one of those people thinking, yeah, I'll help you up. And then the next moment we need help up. 
But as we look at this passage today, I invite you to see yourself in the story. You may not have the physical uh, condition that this man had, the lame man had. You may not have physically walked with Jesus. But it says in 2 Timothy that all scripture is useful for teaching us. And so God obviously wants us to look at this in a way of, well, God, what are you saying to me? Sure, I'm not a beggar at a gate, but could my spirit be a begging spirit? Could I be lame in my attitude or in my, in my spiritual life? I pray we allow ourselves to be challenged by this this morning. Before we get, just get any further, I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I invite you, I intentionally invite you to move within every heart, spirit and soul in this room. That we would be challenged, that you would do your job that convicts us of sin but brings us into a deeper relationship with you. Change us, God. We do not want to be the same. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This passage, as we read, uh, I wasn't here when Steve gave the first message, so I'm not sure how much context he gave you of the book of Acts. But the book of Acts is the documentation of the spread of the gospel in the world. And uh, if the gospels were the introduction to Jesus, then Acts is the introduction to the Holy Spirit. We see how the Holy Spirit began to move in and through people and how he went out and and his power changed people's lives. It was an unusual time, the book of Acts, because uh, these Old Testament believers were trying to grapple and trying to deal with this, uh, the, the, the idea that the Messiah had come. For all their lives, they'd been waiting for the Messiah. They'd read scriptures and prophecies and stories about the coming Messiah. And now he was here, but was dead, but left. It was a time that they were, there was, it was a time of change. The book of Acts was a strange time where they're trying to grapple with change. Anyone who's gone through life changes knows how difficult it is to go from one thing to the next. Our story as said, takes place in the setting of Jerusalem and at the gate called Beautiful. There was actually 10 gates to the temple. The others were covered in silver and gold, but this one was, co- was not just covered, but was made from solid Corinthian bronze. And uh, unlike the gold and the silver gates, this one got more beautiful with age. As the bronze aged, it says, when the sun hit in the afternoon, it was like a most precious jewel. And so, of course, people would come to see this gate. This was the beautiful gate, and what a good spot to sit if you're begging, where everybody comes. And so he sits himself up at the gate called Beautiful. It was 3 p.m. in the afternoon, which meant that uh, they were going to the third prayer meeting for the day. And uh, the first one was at 6 a.m., second was 12 p.m., and then they have a sacrifice, but then they have third prayer meeting for the day, 3 p.m. And so this wasn't unusual for Peter and John to be walking this way. It was just their every day. And this is where our story takes place. Uh, For structure's sake, I'm going to highlight four areas of the passage. And for those taking notes, they all begin with P. You're welcome. Uh, The first one I want to look at is partnership. That we're pulling out of this story is partnership. A significant factor of, of 
how the men in this story got to where they were is because of the partnership that they had. We read that uh, it said Peter and John were walking to the temple together. I wonder who is on the other side of your end and what difference it's making in your life. Who is it that you're partnering with? It was Peter and John. They were off to the prayer meeting together and these guys had been in partnership for some time now. They'd actually been in business together when they were fishermen and uh, then God called them along and called them to be fishers of men and so they were partners together as disciples and students under Jesus. But but they were really different kind of guys if you read about it. To see, Peter was really good at speaking. He was that kind of confident, can uh, get up and share and give the sermon kind of guy. But John, he he was quiet and compassionate. When Jesus was in the upper room telling the disciples that one of you is going to betray me, it was Peter that said, no, never, I'll never do that. But it was John who just rested his head on Jesus' chest. They were different kind of guys. And it was John who got to the tomb first because they were having a running race. And uh, John got to the tomb first, but he didn't go in. Peter got there second, but Peter went in first. They, one was bold, one was more calculated. Peter was bold and John was steady, but they needed each other. This is why Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. If you read, he sends them out two by two because there's accountability in partnership. But we're also strengthened in partnership as well. They were completely different guys, completely different temperaments, outlooks on life, but it was the partnership between them, not in spite of their differences, but because of their differences that made it so dynamic. Some scholars have said that had that day, had Peter been walking on his own, perhaps he wouldn't have been compassionate enough to turn aside to the beggar. But had John been on his his own, he may have not been as bold to pull him up from the ground. And I hear lots of people say things when we're talking about, I don't know, accountability or serving together or making sure that you're in community together. I hear things like this. We don't have a lot in common. We don't really have the same age kids. We have different relationship status. But I'm going to quote Stephen Furtick who says, you don't have to have the same perspective to have the same purpose. And it is, it is, uh, it's a sad thing when we only pick people who keep us comfortable to be our partner than challenge us. Because if we avoid the challenge, we avoid the growth. And God is always trying to expand his kingdom and stretch his people so that the gospel can spread. By avoiding the challenge, you miss the change. What do you want? Cheap change or life change? God designed us to be in partnership with each other. God said it's not good that we be alone, and that is not just a romantic uh, suggestion for Adam and Eve. He, he saw it fit that we would be in partnership with each other. And so you need to be in partnership with people too. My old pastor that I grew up with always used to say this saying, and I think he tried to brush it off as a proverb, but I'm sure he made it up. But uh, it was those who grow alone grow weird. 
could be a proverb. Partnership. We need each other. We need each other, church. That was not the only partnership we saw in this passage, though. See, we saw Peter and John, but there was the lame man and his carriers. The lame man had a partner too, but a completely different type of partnership. Who was it that carried him there every single day? His partner. He'd partnered with somebody, someone who would carry him to the same old place to do the same old thing. And beg from the same old people. He had a partnership. But it was nothing like the one we see in Peter and John. These partners he had were happy to take him to the same old mindset. With the same old attitude. With the same old habits around the same old people. With the same expectations. I wonder if you have partnerships in your life that take you back to the same old place that you have always been. Same old attitude. Same old comfortable, well, this is how I've always been. You can tell if, you're, uh, if you have partners who carry you to the same old places by a few little key sayings. There's a whole lot more, but there's things like, well, this is how you've always been. You've always done it this way. It's okay. Well, after what you've been through, you deserve to have that attitude. These people carry us to the same old place to do the same old thing. And it may not just be people. You may have partnered with with a terrible mindset or a terrible spirit that you just partner with that and you say, well, this is who I am. Maybe some of us need some new partnerships today, not because the people that you have once been around are bad, but because you need someone who will look you square in the eye and challenge you to get up from the place that you've always been and walk in Jesus' name. We actually don't get the right to just sit around and stay the same as Christians. We are always called to become more like Christ. Notice Peter didn't preach at the man. I'm not saying get in a partnership where someone's going to preach at you all day. Sometimes preaching is inappropriate. And he didn't pray for him. He just challenged him to do something that no one else had ever challenged him to do. Do you have any partners in your life who look at you and say, come on, get up from that? Christians should always be challenged to be changed through the word of God through the Spirit of God, and through the people of God. Change, not out of our own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't afford to be in partnership with people who take us to the same old place, to do the same old thing. There is too much at stake. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And the Lord, who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. Because of this, we give up the right to say, well, this is how I've always been and this is how I will always be, unless you follow it up with this, because I've stopped allowing God to sanctify and transform me. 
If you're in relationship with God, he is always pulling you out of the places where you've been to become more like him. Who is on the other side of your end and what difference is it making? Because it makes a difference. And if you're not in partnership with people, get in some. Get out of that place where you've always been and get in some. It brings accountability and it causes growth because iron sharpens iron. Amen? The second P out of the four for the power every day is price. There was a price to the change that happened that day. There is always price to be paid for change. You know how they rewarded Peter for healing this man? They put him in jail. And guess who had to go with him? John. They put him in prison for healing the lame man. You see, change will always cost you something. Obedience will always cost you something. Whether it be your will, your relationship, your possessions, your security, your status, obedience will never leave you in the place that it found you. It cost these disciples everything to follow Jesus. They gave up everything. But this miracle cost them something too. Along with the future imprisonment, that moment cost them something. You see, it was a risk for Peter to reach his arm out and say, get up. I couldn't find anywhere in the Gospels the 101 of reach out your arm lesson that Jesus gave and pull up the lame man. He had no idea what was going to happen. But the Holy Spirit interrupted their routine that day. Every day they went to that temple, three times a day, every day. And that day the Holy Spirit decided to intervene. Why today? Why did the Holy Spirit choose that moment? But in the middle of their every day, the Holy Spirit inclined their ear to hear a voice of a beggar. And so they turned aside fixed their eyes upon him and heard his need of small change. Do you have anything? They took a quick inventory of themselves. No, we have nothing. We have nothing, they say. We've got nothing. Silver and gold, I have none. It's an eloquent way to say it. Uh, and, And then he went on and said, but. I'm so glad they didn't just end on, we've got nothing. Far too often, I find that you and I, maybe just me, we stop at what we don't have and we forget what God has inside of us. And when people ask, we're like, "Mm, do I have the skill set? Do I have the time, energy, or do I want to do that? No, sorry, got nothing. Or we do the other thing. We look at at what we don't have. Oh, I've got nothing. And then we think we've got to go get all the resources that we need so we can come back and say, well, I've got something so I can help. 
But there comes a time when the church needs to move beyond just helping and start to step into the realm of healing. A Jewish scholar, William Sanford Lafour, says this, It is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The task of the church is to release the redemptive power of Christ here on earth. We've got to go past just, oh, help a little. And we need to step into the realm of healing. It cost Peter something to stretch out his arm that day. He had no idea what was going to happen on the end of that. Was it going to be like that time when Jesus sent the disciples out and they tried to cast the demon out of the young boy and they couldn't? Was he going to pull him up and then the lame man just got splat on the ground? What was going to happen? He didn't know. He was just inclining his ear to the Holy Spirit. And so he reached out and this was the first time that he didn't have his teacher that he could run back to and say, well, I did this and I did that. What what do you think? He was on his own for the first time. He just, him and John and the Holy Spirit. There was no room for pride because really there's no room for pride in obedience. It cost him to trust God that day. What determines whether you will allow God to do something through you? Do you reach out in spite of your lack, but in faith in the power of God? Or do you wait to get the resources in order to eliminate the risk of failure? When you're really not eliminating the risk of failure, you are just eliminating faith. And God will not show up on the plans that you alone can execute. He's not into cheap change. He's into life change. There was a cost to reach out that day. And it'll cost you and I to live a life of faith as well. The last three months of my life have probably been the most uncomfortable three months I've ever had. It costs for obedience. There was a cost for the lame men too, maybe even more so. Because as we look at him, it says for 40 years he sat there. For 40 years he was carried there. For 40 years he was lame. Everything he knew about himself revolved around this dysfunction. His identity, everything he did, his whole life was dictated by this dysfunction. It ruled his life. It even named his life the lame man. I don't even know what his name is. This dysfunction was everything to him. It cost him to get up out of it as well. And it may have just been the ankle bones that were a bit weak or the, or the feet bones that were a bit weak, but sometimes it's the small things in our lives that keep us down the longest. The small things, the Bible says, don't let the small foxes get in because it can bring down your whole life. It's funny how the Lord allows stories like this in the Bible for us to look so uh, blatantly at ourselves because don't we do this? Don't we allow dysfunctions to rule our lives? That attitude, that mindset that old hurt, 
that fear, that resentment, unforgiveness, the bitterness, the habit, the behavior, the temper. Don't we just let these things rule our lives? I don't know how not to get angry. So I've always done it. So I'll just always, I'll always just get angry. I don't know how to do a relationship with purity. So I just, this is the way I've always done it. I don't know how to just not get in debt all the time. So for the rest of my life, I'm just going to do that. I don't know how to not go back to him. I don't know. This is the way I've always done it. Yeah, it will cost you something to get up out of the place you've always been and walk into something you've never done before. Can you imagine the changes that that man would have had to go through? For the first time in his life, he would have had to look for a job. The healed man isn't a real good marketing strategy for a beggar. Not a lot of sympathy going there. He would have had to look for a job. He would have had to get, I don't know, some shoes that were comfortable. New sandals. Can you imagine the conversation when the boys come to pick him up the next day? You ready? We're going to drop you off. (laughs) The gate called beautiful. Not today, boys. I am not who I used to be. And there would have been some new partnerships he had to make, not people that carried him to the same old place. I wonder if they went, oh, what about one last time, just for old time's sake? No, it cost him something. It cost him something to get up and walk. I'm not that guy anymore. I don't need their change. I'm changed. Jesus says this in Luke 14, 28, count the cost. Don't begin until you count the cost. It'll cost you something to change. Again, Stephen Furtick has a great quote here. It says this, if you set out to make a change without counting the cost, it's just a matter of time before the reality of the challenge will outstrip your desire for change. We need to count the cost. Third P is power. This whole series is actually called Power Every Day. And I could not go through this sermon without touching on the power that took place in that miracle. Because it wasn't Peter, he just reached down. And it wasn't the lame man, he just reached up. The power was in the Holy Spirit. And this is where we begin to see the outworking of the Holy Spirit through ordinary people in their everyday lives. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He's definitely not the consolation prize because Jesus had to go, we get the Holy Spirit. No, he is an equal part of the Trinity. It's not a majority rules situation in heaven where the Father and the Son said, well, do you want to stay in heaven or do you want to stay in earth? Holy Spirit, you've got to go. They were in perfect harmony and perfect authority together. The Holy Spirit is an equal part of God. 
and we get to have him. Jesus said to, in John 16, 7, but in fact, it's best for you to go for, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I go away, then I'll send him to you. Jesus himself was saying, I know you've loved hanging out, but there's someone way better. There's someone way better. And if I go, he'll come. It's the Holy Spirit which was upon Jesus as he left the wilderness to start his ministry. Even Jesus couldn't perform his ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in which raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus alone could not do it. He needed the power, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. It is his spirit we experience freedom. It is the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And he's not a magic genie that we pull out when we don't know what's left. He's actually our helper. It says he's our helper, our advocate, our teacher, our comforter, our friend. It says he yearns for us. That word yearns, when it's looked at in that particular sense, it means a a, a deep longing between people who are intimate. He, He wants to be intimate with you. He doesn't want to be ignored or pushed aside and not talked about. In fact, he can be upset. Do you know we can upset the Holy Spirit? We can deeply sadden him and we can offend him. You watch in the Gospels, uh, Jesus was talking about himself and the Father and he goes, you can say whatever you want against me. Say whatever you want against the Father, but you say one thing against the Holy Spirit and it won't be forgiven. The, The Father and the Son are protective over the Holy Spirit. There's a softness to him, a gentleness Some people say, I wish I could walk with Jesus and just talk to him all the time. Well, do you turn off your radio for your 20-minute drive and talk to the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, which is living inside of you? He is with you. And if you don't know how to get to know him, just try talking. Okay? People might think that looks a bit cuckoo. Maybe not out loud all the time in a shopping center and things. Hushed tones. Invite him to speak during your day. Holy Spirit, let me learn your voice. Speak to me. Give me guidance. Give me wisdom. Charles Spurgeon says this about the Holy Spirit. Let the gospel be preached and the Holy Spirit poured out. And you will see that it has the power to change the conscience to improve the conduct, to raise the debase, to chastise and curb the wickedness of men and women. The change, the change will be so noticeable that you must the glory of God. I say there is nothing like the power of the Holy Spirit. Only let that come and indeed everything can be accomplished. There's power available to us. Dwelling in us and through us. But far too often we stop at, we've got nothing. Because we haven't taken the time to know who we've got. Romans 8.11 says this, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives 
in you. You never have nothing. And too often we look to ourselves for the power to perform, to perform the work of God, which actually is a form of pride. When you look to yourself to do the work of God, well, what do I have? Oh, I could probably do this. But there is nothing as debilitating to the work of Christ on earth as a proud Christian. Pride will get in the way every single time. We need to be, yeah, let's be honest. We don't have much. Peter didn't have much. I got, I got nothing, but I got a hand and I have the Holy Spirit. We can no longer just look to ourselves to see what we've got to perform the work that God wants to do. We have power that we can access and in his name is the Holy Spirit. He has our power every day, every day. The last P is purpose. Four Ps for the power every day, writing with your pen. Do you like it, pen? Yeah. Why this miracle? Why then? These guys, it says that he was there for 40, 40 years, okay? So for 40 years, he would... He was born lame, and then every day he was taken to this gate to beg. It also shows us in the Gospels and in the book of Acts that every day the disciples did as the custom was and went to prayer. So we can assume that every day they walked past him, or at least once a week, I don't know, maybe they checked out the other gates every now and then. You can assume that they had walked past this man before. In fact, if he was there for 40 years and it had not been a long time since Jesus died and raised and ascended, you can assume, because it tells us Jesus went to the temple, that Jesus walked past this man and still no healing. He remained in his condition. Why that day? Why, why did the Holy Spirit go, now, you'll listen now? Look at the man now. If we read on in chapter 3, we immediately see after there's a big leaping and praising God and uh, we see that everyone was amazed and it says that they rushed over. And Peter sees the opportunity. He'd only given one sermon before, but he saw his opportunity for number two. Here it is, guys. I've been waiting for this. And people were amazed and astonished by the miracle. So Peter saw the chance and he started to preach. See, there comes a time when preaching is very appropriate. Now, I hope it's appropriate now. But not not everybody needs to be preached at all the time. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit for what he needs in the moment. And because the miracles are never just about us, God is always working to expand his kingdom and stretch his people. We are never called to be stagnant. We are always called to growth. And so in this time, we see that God's purpose is being outworked. He stretched Peter and John. He'd stretched the lame man. And now he wanted to expand his kingdom. And the people came over and said, we've never seen anything like this before. 
Had Jesus healed him? It might have just been that it says in the Bible that there's so many miracles Jesus performed that you couldn't even record them all. Had Jesus walked past and healed that man, it could have just gone into the miracles that would never have been recorded. But the Holy Spirit picked this moment. Peter took his shot. You're astonished at this? That's his opening line of sermon. You're astonished? Oh, let me tell you about Jesus. Side note, the guy you killed. He was really harsh with them. He reminded them of what they did to this Jesus, but then he wanted to tell them, oh, but don't worry, because he, he loves you and he forgives you and he wants to change your life. I wonder what you do with the opportunities God gives you. When he works in the miraculous, do you just kind of text your Christian friend and go, oh, isn't it good God did this? Or when something changes in your life and someone who doesn't know Christ says, wow, you've changed. Do you take the opportunity to give glory to God as he deserves? Or is it just a Christian thing? Or is it an everyday thing? So whilst Peter was preaching taking the opportunity because the purpose was to expand the kingdom. It says he was arrested whilst he was preaching. And John too. Uh, But before, not before, around 2,000 people joined the church that day. The purpose that God was working was bigger than the problem. And sometimes in our lives we can look at God and go, Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? And as Peter and John said, hey, look here. Maybe God is looking to you going, hey, look here. There's a bigger purpose. I am working here. And it's bigger than the problem. And there will be a time that the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, get up. No longer walk. No longer are you going to stay in that. The expansion of his kingdom and the stretch of his people was the purpose that God was outworking that day. And it is the purpose he's been outworking since the day he created us. It's the purpose Jesus came to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Again, Spurgeon said, the change will be so noticeable that you must give glory to God. I wonder what areas of our lives we've been asking God for small change. Just this, God. Just just this, God. Why couldn't you just do this? He's not into cheap change. He's into life change. And I wonder if our prayers have been, can you just do this? And the Holy Spirit is turning to you and saying, Get up. Walk. I know you've never used those legs before. I know you might be a bit shaky with this new attitude and this new mindset and this new heart, but get up and walk. I know you haven't walked this way before, but I will not leave you where you've always been. It's time to change through the power of the Holy Spirit, not sheer will. Faking your healing is like faking your healing, your holiness. You could prop yourself up on your, on your crutches. Oh, I'm fine, guys. 
But the moment something takes out your prop, you're down where you used to be. God is not into just propping you up. You watch the lame man held on to Peter and John as he leaped and praised. You may not know how to use your new legs or your new feet as soon as you get up, but you just have to hang around the one who healed you long enough before you know how to walk it out. The Holy Spirit does not want to leave you the way that you have always been. You don't have to be the way you've always been. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin and to challenge us out of our places of comfort. Get up and walk, church. I don't know what place you've always been that you keep circling back to and you allow the same old people to take you to the same old places to do the same old thing. But he's as sick of it as you are. Get up. Walk. So that the world might see and say, I've, se- I've never seen anything like this before. Can we pray? As the band comes, Father, thank you so much that you don't leave us in the places we've always been. I pray that the challenge to get up and walk would resonate with every heart and every spirit and every life that are laying in places that you are calling them out of. I pray for compassion from your Holy Spirit, but boldness as well, to find the courage to get up, count the cost, and walk with you for the rest of their lives. We bless you. We thank you for the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.